This evening's reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, reading from verse 26. And this can be found on page 1025 in the Church Bibles. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Thank you, Beulah. If you'd um, like to keep your Bibles open and just zip over to chapter 1, verse 1. Just want to read a few little verses there. Chapter 1, verse 1. Luke, in introducing his gospel, says these words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It speaks to us with power. We thank you for this very familiar passage, and we pray that you would speak to us this evening through it. You alone know our needs, and we we commit ourselves to, to you. We too are your servants. We surrender ourselves to you this evening and pray that you would speak to us afresh, with power, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Those little four verses, just hold them in the back of your mind as we come to this this wonderful, familiar passage in chapter 1, verse 26 through to verse 38. The birth of Jesus foretold. It's an amazing story, isn't it? It, Very simply told, there's a young teenage girl, perhaps 13, 14, maybe less, years of age. She's at home. She's alone. And then all of a sudden, this this strange guy appears in her house and says, hello. The the greeting is, hello. And she must have been taken aback somewhat. And and then he tells her that something special is going to happen to her. She's going to have a baby. And... This baby that she's going to have is going to become a mighty king, a very mighty king. And he's going to reign, and he's going to reign forever and ever. And this baby's father is going to be God. That's what the angel Gabriel told young Mary. That's what chapter 1, verse 26 to 38, that's what comes over in the passage. The angel Gabriel is sent from God, comes down from, from heaven and speaks to Mary. And we have this, this lovely conversation between the angel and Mary. And, and maybe we can understand it, maybe we can grasp it, I don't know. But, but basically it's a narrative. Luke has done his homework He's gone to eyewitnesses. He's found out things. He's asked them questions. And now he's writing down truthfully what happened so that we can know with certainty that these things really happened. And I think the great conviction that came into my heart as I was preparing this message very strongly was that this really happened. As it says in these verses, strange that it seems to our, to our worldly, earthly eyes, this event really happened. And this event that really happened impacts us here in Hove this evening. We'll see how that unfolds later on. But because it's such a, a familiar passage, I, I, I just thought we'd have a, a slight bit of fun this evening and, and see it from, from different angles. Hence, you notice in your little um, things on the back of the, the news sheet there that we're going to see it, first of all, from Gabriel's perspective. What was this meeting like from Gabriel, Gabriel's perspective? And then secondly, we'll, we'll see what it was like from Mary's perspective. So let's, let's first of all look at Gabriel. If you look at the passage there, verse 38, after Mary had said those wonderful words, I am the Lord's servant, may your word to me be fulfilled, then the angel left her. The angel Gabriel had done his work, he returned back to heaven where he came from. His mission was accomplished. He went back to the unseen world. He took off his, his visibility, as it were, and he put back on his invisibility. He returned back to the heavenly realms. And this is where you need to just engage imagination for a bit. I know that some people, imagination is difficult, but just engage a bit of imagination because Gabriel has gone back to heaven. We're going to pick up the story there. Gabriel has returned to heaven. He's trying to find a quiet corner just to get his head around what has just happened. Because what has just happened is not only a significant event in the the life of this world, but in the heavenly realms too. 
they too have been looking to this event. And Gabriel, that great archangel, has been given the privilege of taking these messages, first to Zechariah, and then a few months later to this young girl, Mary. So there is Gabriel trying to find a quiet corner in heaven, which must be difficult. Because whenever the Bible speaks about angels, it always speaks about lots of them. We we, we hear it in Revelation, we hear it in Daniel, 10,000 times 10,000 voices praising God, the angels. Now, even I can work out 10,000 times 10,000. It's 10 million. That's a lot of angels. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that when he, he said, you know, the, 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 the mob came to arrest him and Peter drew out his sword and was, was chopping off the guy's ear. And Jesus said to Peter, no, no, put your sword away. Don't you think that I can call upon 12 legions of angels? Well, legions to us is, is we don't understand. A legion is 5,000, 60,000 angels Jesus could call upon. So very often when you hear about angels mentioned in the Bible, they are vast numbers. And I I did a bit of homework on this, as you can probably gather, in preparation for this sermon. But the word angel is mentioned in the New Testament more times than the word love, which I found fascinating. 169 times the word angel is mentioned, as in meaning angels, not messenger. And 142 times the word love. That's including agape and filio and so on. So angels form a big part of the New Testament. Gabriel was a top dog angel. He was top of the pile, cream of cream of angels. He was an archangel. It says in in Revelation, I always fight with these things, that every time I preach, they want to drop off. Right, okay. So Gabriel was a top dog. It says in Revelation, that the, in, in, earlier on in, in Luke, that when he was meeting with Zechariah, I stand in the presence of God. There are only seven angels, according to Revelation, who stand in the presence of God. Gabriel was a big guy. So Gabriel's found a quiet corner. He sits down and he just, the message is given. The work is done. Feels a tap on his shoulder or a tap on his wing or whatever invisible things that, that angels have. And, oh, I just sat down. For... Hi, Gabriel. How are you doing? How did it go? I hear that you're back. Did you deliver the messages? He turns around and there's Michael, fellow archangel. And, and you can imagine Gabriel explaining to Michael the things that went on. And probably it would have gone something like this. He said, yeah, I had a really good time. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this for so long and I've delivered my messages and the job is done. The work has begun. That which we've been looking forward to for so long, it is now beginning to happen. How did you get on with Zechariah? How did you get on with the old folks? Well, to be quite honest, Michael, I was a bit disappointed with them. Zechariah's an old guy. He's a priest. He knows the scriptures. He's a godly guy. And yet... When it came to the crunch, he, he did that thing that um, our humans do. What's it called when they, when they don't believe God's word? He, he doubted. He doubted God. Which, which to me, and I know to, to the Lord, is, is a terrible. How can you doubt God's word? So to be quite honest, with Zechariah, I was a bit disappointed with him. And, and so what did you do? Michael says, well, I do what all good angels do. I struck him dumb for nine months. 
So let's leave Zechariah, let's leave Gabriel there. So Gabriel has given his message to Zechariah and he's disappointed. But when it came to Mary, then that was a different kettle of fish. Mary is a nothing and a nobody. And yet it was so good to speak to her. I, I, I came to her. I, I arrived in Nazareth. What a, what a funny little place, dusty little town in the, Jerusalem, where I met with Zechariah, is the important center of everything. Nazareth is, is a nothing and a nowhere kind of place. Doesn't even get a mention in the law and the prophets. But that's where, that's where Mary lived. And I found a humble little home and, and I went in there. And, and I just, just appeared to her. And she, she looked a bit wide-eyed and startled when I was there. And, and I, I just got on with it, basically. I said, Mary, there's nothing to worry about. The Lord is with you. And then I, I gave her the message. And the message was, was very simple. Mary, you're going to have a baby boy. You're going to name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called Son of the Most High. And God is going to make him a mighty king. And he's going to be put on David's throne. And he's going to reign over God's people. And he's going to, going to reign over God's people forever and ever. So you can imagine Michael turning around to get, well, how did she react to that? that that's a pretty amazing thing that you've told is going to happen to her. Well, to be quite honest, Michael, she didn't seem to be all that concerned. Mary is more concerned with the, with the mechanics. But, yes, but, but how? How can that possibly happen? So I told her, I said to her, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the child in your womb will be holy and called the Son of God. And she just accepted it. She didn't say any more. She kind of like nodded. Yeah, that's okay. So I'd made it clear. I'd made it clear to her what was going to happen. And, and I'd made it clear to her how it was going to happen. And then I told her about Elizabeth, her, her ancient cousin having a baby. And her eyes were open, wide open, when I told her about what she was going to do. But when I told her about Elizabeth, her eyes went even wider. And, and she was amazed. And you could see in her heart that this was somebody she was going to visit quite soon. So just, just to make things certain before I left, I said to her, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. What I'm telling you seems pretty amazing, but Mary, nothing is impossible with God. God's word can never fail. That's why it's such a terrible thing to doubt. So, and Mary's reply, honestly, Michael, was amazing. She's a nothing and a nobody, a humble little village girl. But what she said was amazing. She just submitted herself to the will of God. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then I left. I just left her at that. What an amazing thing that was. So let's leave Gabriel there. Gabriel's got a bit more work to do before the Christmas season is over. He's got to sort Joseph out with a dream. Joseph's got to hear this news yet. He's got to organize the heavenly choir in Bethlehem. So there's a lot of work to be done for Gabriel before he can go back to his invisibility role. Though the angels are invisible, they are servants for us. Of us. They, they put on this cloak of visibility during the Christmas period, it seems, in the New Testament time. But the angels are there. 
They're a part of God's work, a very important part. So we must thank God for the, the ministry of angels and be careful when we entertain strangers sometimes because some of them might be angels. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave Gabriel's report and we'll come back. Let's hear it through Mary's eyes. Let's, let's hear this story through Mary's eyes. Let's come back into the seen world, to the, to back to earth, but not to where Mary was meeting with Gabriel. Let's, let's move on 60 years or so. So we, we, we now meet Mary as, as an older woman. Jesus is born, has done his ministry, has died, and, and, and the church has begun. So we're meeting Mary as an, as in her 70s, in her early 70s. This is where imagination comes in. We don't know that Mary was alive. I'm imagining that she was, okay, just for the sake of this story. This is not scripture. This is Phil's imagination. But it's, this is what kind of I believe, okay. So Mary's in her 70s. Mary in her 70s would have had a throng of grandchildren by now. Jesus had brothers and sisters, six that we know of from the scriptures. There would have been a lot of grandchildren too. So Mary was busy. Mary can ponder what's happened. So there is Mary, I don't know, sitting by the, the fireside, reading her parchment, whatever they did in those days. And then suddenly, a knock at the door. So Mary gets up and, and she answers the door and guess who's there? It's Luke, Dr. Luke, who she will probably know. Now, Dr. Luke it has been a real servant of God in his life so far. He was a friend and a colleague and a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. He, he knew lots of the apostles. He'd listened to them. He'd written things down. He'd worked with them. So there is Dr. Luke at Mary's door. And um, she says, come in. It's really nice to see you. What, why are you visiting me? And he, he, he gets his parchment and his quill out. He said, Mary, I, I just I want you to do me a favor. I, I'm, I'm compiling evidence uh, as to the life of our Lord. Other people have, have written life stories of what's gone on at this time. But, but I feel compelled by God, really, to do the same thing. And you know me, I'm, I'm finickety about facts. There's, there's a historian in me, and I'm quite good at Greek as well, so I just feel compelled to write an account of the life of our Lord. And I'd just like to hear things from your perspective. How was it for you when the angel came? What, what was it like? Were you scared? Were you afraid? So you can imagine the conversation going on with Dr. Luke and Dr. Luke scribbling these things down for, for later to write them in to his gospel. As you read these words, there's just something about them that kind of says, this is first hand. Again, I don't know, but there is there is such a warmth, such a, a life in these words that, that he writes. It. It's just as though Mary was, was speaking them. So Mary's there saying, yeah, well, yeah, I was surprised when Gabriel, I was just going about my everyday business. I got no expectation to have a visitor from heaven, for goodness sake. But all of a sudden, he was there. He didn't knock at the door. He didn't do anything. He was there. And then he said to me, Mary, don't worry. Don't be afraid. And th that was helpful because I was afraid. To be quite honest, Gabriel, I, I thought I was in trouble. When you get a visit from heaven, and th there was something special about, I kind of, clocked that this was no ordinary visitor and I thought oh heck what have I done I, you know, to get a visitor from heaven I, I just guilt comes in I'm not perfect by any means and he, he comforts him no no it's all right Mary the Lord is with you I, I bring you good news as it were 
And, but this is the message, Mary. I've got to give you this message. This is what God has sent me. Mary, you're going to have a baby. It's a baby boy. You are to call him Jesus. He's going to be great and very important. He's going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to be a king on David's throne. And he's going to rule over God's people forever. That's the message that he gave, that Gabriel gave to me. Now, look, they're not unknown words to me. When he said those words, they're familiar words. I hear those words all the time in the synagogue. They're words that we learnt by heart in the synagogue. They're prophecies. They're prophecies of the Messiah coming. And you know, at that time in Israel, there was, there was such an expectation for the Messiah to come. Every week in the synagogue, they were saying, now is the time, now is the time that the Messiah is due to come. We've read Daniel's prophecy, we've worked it all out, and now it's imminent for the Messiah to come. So those verses, we, we were hearing all the time. So when the angel said to me, this is what's going to happen to you, Mary, the penny dropped very quickly that what he was saying to me was that I was going to have a baby and that baby was going to be the Messiah. That was almost too much to take on board. But the thing that puzzled me was that, well, how? That's what was going through my mind at the time. How can it possibly happen? I'm a virgin. I've never slept with a man. How can I have a baby that's going to be the Messiah? So Gabriel explained and he explained very clearly and I, I didn't really understand it but I kind of grasped what he was saying he said the Holy Spirit will come upon me I'd be overshadowed by the creator God and in my womb would be conceived a child who would be the son of God then he told me about Elizabeth old Elizabeth going to have a baby and I, I kind of laughed at that she's always wanted to have a baby and now she's so old and she's going to have a baby and I thought, that's the first thing I'm going to do. As soon as Gabriel's gone, I'm going to visit cousin Elizabeth and spend some time. One, I need to get my head around what's just happened. But also, how good to be able to talk things through with her. And then she said, at the end, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That's what I said to him. Because Luke was interested. Well, what did you say? To the angel, what did you say? What did you, were you just struck dumb? Like, like, like Zechariah? He said, no, no, no. I just submitted myself to the will of God. What else do you do? That's what I've done all my life. That's what I've done since the Lord died and rose again. I submit myself to the will of the Lord. And I said, may your word to me be fulfilled. And you know what? Look, it was completely and in every way, because the words, the Lord's word never fails. So we'll, we'll, we'll leave Mary there. You, can you like, have you seen the, 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 this passage afresh through Gabriel's eyes, through Mary's eyes? It kind of brings it to life, doesn't it? Because this event really happened. That's what I sensed in my preparation. This event really happened. And I wanted to try and bring it to life. But, but what relevance has that got for us in BH this evening? What relevance is it for us? Well, as we found out in chapter 1, the first few verses, Luke wrote an orderly and fully investigated account so that we can believe with certainty that these things really happened. And that's important for us because Jesus Christ, who died and rose again, 
by faith becomes our Lord. If these things didn't really happen, then we haven't got a saviour who can save us from our sins. But they did happen, and we have. He had to be born of a virgin. These things had to happen. So we, we have to be able to rely on the word of God with, with, our, with our lives. So Luke wrote his gospel that we might know with certainty these truths. The apostle John later on, he wrote his gospel and he said, this is written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Just what John said. So the baby in the womb was born. He lived an amazing life. He died a cruel but a sacrificial death. He rose again. He ascended to heaven and in heaven he reigns and he reigns forever. And he will return and he will return glorious and every eye will see him and every knee will buy and every voice will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then will come the judgment. It's important, it's relevant to us here in Bishop Hannington this evening that we respond in some way to this Messiah, to the Christ that God has given. I love the fact that Mary was not coerced by the angel. He didn't like trap her into a corner, did he? And then say to her, you you must accept this, Mary. This is what's going to happen to you. Because this was God's plan and purpose. Mary was born for this. Mary didn't somehow win an X factor and, okay, you're going to be the bear, the son of God. And she was chosen out of everybody. Mary was born for this task. This lowly little girl, unknown to her, was born to be the mother of the Christ. This was part of God's plan and purpose. And, 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 and Gabriel revealed it. Gabriel explained it. And, and God calls us to that too. God calls us. As he called Mary to a task, God calls us. But what does he call us to? Not, not to bear the Christ child. He calls us to receive the Christ. That's what God calls us to do, every one of us, to receive the Christ, to follow and to obey him. First of all, he calls us to believe in and to follow Jesus Christ, to enter the kingdom over which he reigns. And secondly, he calls us to obey and serve him in that kingdom, in love to God and to each other. Jesus himself said, my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. I wonder if you've made a Christmas gift list yet. Think of God's gift to us this Christmas, God's gift of forgiveness of sin. Maybe some of you have been made very much aware of your sin of late and to have those sins forgiven, to be washed as it were, to have them washed away in the blood of Christ, maybe that's meaningful to you. To have your sins forgiven is a gift of God. To have, have life in an unseen but very real kingdom. Maybe some of you have become aware that there is more than this life. There is another life that the Bible speaks of. God gives us the gift of life in an unseen world. The gift of peace and fellowship with God. Maybe you've been so long as, as an enemy of God. And to have peace with God would be wonderful. That's part of God's gift. In a word, this is salvation. All these things put together are salvation. God gives us this, this gift of life in Jesus Christ. And faith reaches out 
and takes hold of that gift. God gives us the gift, but faith reaches out and takes hold of that gift, which is Jesus Christ. Take hold of him by faith. Believe and in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's as simple as that. God's gift to us this Christmas time needs to be taken and received. And when you do take it and receive it, then it's a glorious thing. We sang in that lovely carol. I love this carol. And I chose this verse before ever Lizzie had chosen the carol to go in the service. And I think it's a carol that I've sung. It's a carol that my mum sung. It's a carol that my grandma would have sung. It's a carol that her mother would have sung. It kind of binds the years together. And it speaks the truth as much then as it does now. Listen to this verse. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. One of the other ministries of angels is that when a, when, when a, when a person comes to faith in Christ, they rejoice. May the angels in heaven rejoice this Christmas time over many who come to faith in him and accept the gift that God gives to us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would grant us the gift to, to have faith and to believe and to accept and to receive and to live out the life that you have given to us in him. We ask it in his glorious name. Amen.